George Lucas. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I just love I just love when Rich plays uh, George Lucas and oh, yeah. he's really good. The voice. Yeah. Well, well, well. If it isn't Alexander Philippe and Mike Staclasa <laughs> in one convenient location. I just love when they did. Um, I think it was the the Force Awakens review. Oh yeah. Where he's where they have <laughs> Rich playing. Yeah, they have him playing George Lucas, and he has like a food review channel, and he's opening like a package of spinach. Which yeah. I've bought that package of spinach before. Was it acceptable? That's good. That's it's all right. Spinach. It's pretty good. Was his review accurate? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. George Lucas's uh, spinach unboxing yes, video. Yes. It was accurate. Yes. I, l- I love the line. Um, what's it? Uh, <laughs> that he says. According to my lawyers, it's perfectly acceptable <laughs> to kill you as long as I get rid of the body. <laughs> One of my favorite RLM moments for sure. Hello, everybody, <laughs> and welcome back. This, to... That was just like an intro of uh, <laughs> yeah. of uh, best of the worst. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> of a uh, review, also. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of review also lately. Review is very underrated. It's it's really good, actually. I think I kind of hold it up above a lot of the half in the bags from Red Letter Media. Yeah, well, I think just because they're able to one, they're usually doing quality films on review yeah and they're also because those are usually almost like an hour long they're able to devote more time and energy yeah to breaking down a film which so, is fun and also i think a better editing quality uh in my yes. opinion you know a very different one because half in the bag is very narrative yeah you know it's got a story to it but yeah. um that's actually what kind of takes me out of some of the half in the bags is the story really <laughs> yeah it's like i can i can only go for so long with like the you know, like, for example, they'll take, like, ten minutes in the opening of a half in the bag to get sure. to the actual review, and I'm there for the review most sure. of the time, you know? Which is why I prefer review. Okay. You know? Like, they did um they did a review of a Weird Al film. Uh, v- oh, VHF. VHF. Or not VHF. That's, v- I mean, that is a thing. Yeah. UHF, yes. <laughs> yeah, I or UHF. Yeah, what? What's it called? Uh, UHF, which is short for ultra high frequency. That's right. VHF, which is very high frequency, which is a thing. Mm-hmm. That's what the... I believe that's what the big... Um, the big uh, TV broadcasters would use. But yeah, UHF is what the little uh, uh, rinky-dink uh, local broadcasters would use. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I like their review of Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, Ed Wood as well. Ed Wood is really good. Yeah. What's the... Star Trek, the motion picture, that's not the one with V'ger, is it? it uh, yes. Okay, I, I believe that's, it, yeah. that's the horny one. Yes. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> just, the, just the uncomfortable scene where they talk about how Ilya is like a perfect replica of. She's not a human. She's an alien. Yeah. There, she's like a perfect replica in every way. <laughs> yeah. he's like, uh, okay, I understand what you're doing. And then Spock traveling into the the into, void. Yeah, into the into the space vagina. In the space vagina, and it's just all magical, and it's opening and everything. <laughs> it's literally like have you, if you've seen a. a Monty Python, Meaning of Life. Yeah. It's like the Galaxy song. It's literally like that when they have the yeah. the woman <laughs> out of stars and then they just creep up in her fucking womb and shit. It's literally that, but serious. <laughs> With Star Trek, the motion picture. Was I've never really seen the original series. Have you? Is it? Is the, the original series? Yeah. Of Star Trek. Yes. Oh, yeah. Is TOS as horny as the motion picture? Um, I think it's different because with the motion picture, they could... They kind of, even though motion picture isn't 
fondly remembered, majoritively speaking. Sure. Especially compared to the original series. It did... Um, it did elevate, I think, a, a type of quality sure. with Star Trek in terms of the production, yeah. you know, the themes that they could get into. Because the, the original series, even though I love the original series, and it gets very serious at points, it's very uh, 60s CBS. Sure. You know what I mean? Well, and there's production, there's like broadcasting standards they would have had yes. to adhere to that you wouldn't, you, would, you could have gotten away with, you could get away with more making movie in the 70s, or was it? Is it early eighties? In what? In the motion? Yeah, the, the motion picture? Yeah, because it it was late seventies. I would say I late seventies because Star yeah. Wars came out in seventy six. Yes, yeah, seven. Um, Star Wars, the original Star Wars, was the inspiration for. Well, I thought they starting used, the motion picture. Right, but when, but and this is something I mentioned in the reviews that amusingly, yeah. <laughs> Mike's like instead of aping <laughs> off of the success of Star Wars, they yeah. decided to ape off of uh, uh, two thousand one, um, two thousand one yeah. Space Odyssey. Which makes sense. It's sure it's more appropriate for Star Trek. Yes. But yeah. Again, like the cynical producer part of my brain is like, yeah, we're the you, blasters. Where am I to do this? <laughs> <sighs> where the, why, oh, dear. Where's the Where's the space princess? We don't serve their kind here. Where's the space princess in the metal bikini? <laughs> <sighs> Well, I mean, uh, if you're looking for that, that's probably why they sexed up the motion picture. Horny. Yeah, we, we had a giant space vagina in the motion we picture. We can't get a space princess in a metal bikini. <laughs> so we'll get a giant cosmic vagina. They should have just uh, hired Carrie Fisher and <laughs> painted play, her green. To play Ilya. Yeah, yeah, paint her green, dude. <laughs> that would be everyone, every, like, sci-fi nerd's fantasy of the time as long she, as as long as they gave her cocaine she would be fine <laughs> yeah she'd be down for anything but um the original series is very almost like theatrical you know what i mean like almost sure. like a stage play oh yeah whereas the motion picture is um, what it is it's, it's a motion picture it's cinematic yeah. you know it's more adult and more mature there is actually this really good and i'm going to recommend it to you i don't know if you've watched any of the original series of star I've trek watched the first episode and okay that's basically it. Uh, okay well if you watch the if you ever catch up on star trek yes and if you ever watch the original series and then say i'm gonna go watch the movies now after this there's a really good uh fan production mm-hmm. um i think it's i forgot what it's called but it's star trek i think the fan series or something like that it's okay. uh, or the new adventures or something but it was by this guy vic mignona i think his name is he's a actor that sounds familiar he's done a lot of voice work in anime oh yeah no yeah, yeah i know this guy yeah, 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 yeah he's yeah, yeah. he uh produced and uh got this little series going on on youtube is it animated or? no it's it's live action so oh, okay. it's fantastic it is fantastic and it's a perfect in between from the original series and, and ds9 the films okay and the, it, like direct like there are things in that that will make you understand why there is such a shift in terms of maturity okay. of uh, like what happened with the kind of corny tos stuff to sure. what we have in the films you know and it's really good like they recreate the sets the cinematography is on point the Themes are on point. I'm just saying, I have to imagine recreating the TOS set is probably a lot easier than recreating <laughs> what the set looks like now. Yeah, no, no. This is... Th- actually, I'm not sure about that because there's a lot of f- fine-tuning you have to do. Sure. In, in terms of just... Ca- like, everything about it feels like it came out of the 60s. Sure. That is incredibly incredibly specific and, and I, i'm i'm willing to bet really complicated well sure well i'm just saying that you know you don't have to deal with like holograms and oh stuff yeah that's where true. like <laughs> yeah I think mike was talking about in um the in their review of i think it was 
not Picard, um, STD, which is a very appropriate name. Um, <laughs> in the yeah. review of Discovery, they were talking about how, like, okay, like, obviously, you like, when they do the the interclass, the Enterprise is a Class D ship. Um, uh, from from which one? From, from the original mine? series. Oh, okay. Like, the Enterprise, yeah, as it appears so. in the original series, obviously, like, the interior is going to look updated. You can't have it look like it does in the original series yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, so yeah, so that was what I was thinking. Of. Why yeah. it would be easier? No, they don't do that. They go full on sixties. Yeah. They want you to feel like this is the original Star Trek, which I would appreciate. I appreciate that. Yeah, and and the cool thing is they get because it's Hollywood professionals. They have connections to different actors, right. so they get. Uh, I think they get Lou Ferrigno in one of oh. them. Colin Baker, who played the sixth version of Doctor Who. Okay. Um, who else do they get? They get. They get. Uh, I always forget this actor's name, but he played the original. He played Q in Next Gen. Oh, um, yes, I I love that guy. Um, why am I forgetting his name? Um, that actor. Yes, that actor. They got yes. as they got in there. Like they get. It, it's as, really cool. As Q, not as Q, as okay. another character. That's it's disappointing. A little odd. A little odd. It, it would have been really cool if it was like, and it was Q all along. You know, that would be um, fun. You know, um, I assume there's some rights issues there. Uh, yeah. Um, I was, well, I mean, if it's if it's not made for, oh yeah, actually yeah, I don't know because Q may not be in the public domain. No, yeah, yeah. I I don't know the whole background of it, but it was really it was really good. I recommend it to okay. to especially Star Trek fans. I forgot what it's called, the fan series or some some shit like that. But you wanted to talk about Avatar: The Lost Airbender. Oh right? yes, I did. <laughs> well, first before we get into that, uh, actually. Thank you for coming back on this goddamn podcast. We're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> you helped me with the first issue of uh, We Tolerate Comics. Yes. Uh, you know, WTC, is it? That's right. Yeah. WTC. Yes, WTC. We Tolerate Comics. Which that's probably a New Deal program. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you helped me with the first issue, and here you are back, I think, for the fifth one. So yes. we're going to be talking about all sorts of comic book shit, all sorts of pop culture stuff. Uh, how have you been since the first issue? I've uh, been okay. Uh, work has kept me busy, that's for sure. But I did, you can see, I have Some a reading. stack of comics oh, yeah. books. I've been trying to, because there's... there's a bookstore down the road that I picked up some stuff from. And then there's also a library branch down the road as well. So I was like, yeah, I should see what stuff they have. So I picked up some stuff. I probably need to return some of these. I think some of these might be overdue. Oh yeah. You I got some know. bills, man. Yeah. So I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it either today or tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. So it's, I mean, it's been hot. It's been hot. It's uh, God bless you for getting yeah. walking there and walking back. Well, I, I did. I went there in the evening. Like, oh okay, uh, okay. Also, it was I went when it was not so bad. It's gotten worse lately. It, so. you, right now, yeah. Right now, it is. I don't even know what. I don't know. I checked my watch, but <laughs> it is hot right now, man. Uh, according to probably my, in the hundreds right now. According huh? to my phone, it is yeah, 101. Oh, and the high Jesus. is going to be 103. Uh, so yeah. See, that's what I, and the thing is, we're in your apartment right now. We're recording this in your uh, new apartment and everything. And you're yes. telling me it would be really hot, but it's it's really nice in here. Uh, it's hot. It's wait, colder. Just just wait. Well, just wait. Oh, okay. It'll, it'll get it gets pretty bad later in the day. Like right now, because right now it's still it's still around midday. Mm-hmm. But as it gets later on into the like early evening, yeah, it's it pretty sweltering. And then, but then, like, once you get into late evening, it starts to cool down. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like the cool down period. It makes me feel alive. You know what I mean? Like, just when it's really hot, I feel like I'm just part of the heat. Now I feel like a person (laughs) when it cools down. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, Like, the worst part is, like, when you're in bed. 
Oh, you know? yeah. And you just can't sleep. You, I, yeah. It's not happening. Yeah. It's I, fucking hot. I, I've been able to sleep, but I have not been sleeping with covers. It's just <laughs> yeah. miserable. And even then, like, I wake up and I am, like, covered in, like, a layer of sweat. So, it's not fun. Oh, cold sweat, man. I don't like, I don't like laying down in my own sweat. No, it's not fun. It's not pleasant. No. No, see, would you ever consider moving to like a, a colder, like a Alaska or something? Oh, well, not maybe not Alaska, but I mean, I've thought about uh, I've thought about moving Canada? to a different state, maybe like um, I don't know, someplace that's Texas. Somebody can go. Fuck no, that's that's miserable. Are you fucking kidding me? I well, couldn't do that. Everyone is every Californian who's moved that I know. Says Texas they, says they like I know I mean you know it's supposed to be cheaper but you know I I, I couldn't do the fucking weather there. If I can't do it here, I, I could not do Texas. Um, I, can, I, I, don't, I feel like I would be miserable uh, yeah. just because of the weather in the South. I feel like I would be more happier in, like, maybe the Midwest. Maybe. But I don't know. Well, yeah. now they have a snowy season. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know. Which I, I, I can tolerate the cold much better than I can tolerate heat because at least you can add layers. But you know what you, you know what you tolerate more? What? Comics. Yes. Yes. Uh, one thing you've already brought it up. One yes. thing I want to talk to you about because I've been rewatching it. Actually, last night I spent maybe seven hours just watching it. Jesus. Is my one of my favorite shows. Oh no! There you go. Here, I'll just keep it up. Yeah, I'll keep where you go. Uh, I've been re-watching. Re oh, yeah. Yeah, get that water, man. It's too goddamn hot. Water bend. Oh, yeah, oh popsicle bend. Yeah, get that popsicle. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, please. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You hear this? This popsicle ASMR. Hey, you know what I say about these uh, frozen treats? What? Very cool. Very cool. Uh, I've been rewatching Avatar: The Last Airbender because it is on Netflix. And is it still? Yeah, it's I on. Thought they, I thought they'd taken it off. I well, I guess it's back on, or what, I don't know. I haven't watched Maybe it in years. Mistaken. Yeah, well, they have Legend of Korra. Maybe that's the edition you might be talking about. Maybe. Uh, I don't. I've never watched Legend of Korra. I didn't even know if it was on Netflix or not. It's okay. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna watch it after I'm done with the uh, Last Airbender. Yeah. Um, but I'm rewatching Last Airbender, a show from my adolescence, uh, and yours as well. So I will. So yes, but I actually didn't. I actually didn't watch Avatar for the first time until. Oh man, until middle school, like late middle school. Mm -hmm. um, I came to it pretty late, um, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it nonetheless. I I really am enjoying it right now. Um, so much about it, I feel like, like what I sent you in the notes is Avatar just over everything. And I think the reason is, is because we've gotten a lot of like superhero stuff lately, a lot of comic book stuff, a lot of anime in the past yeah. 15 or 20 years since this show premiered, yeah. you know, and this, I feel for a very good reason, stands up above pretty much everything you know mainly because of the way they utilize their story yeah. and the way they they every almost every episode it seems is story based and gets us to the next lesson that ang yeah. ang the character needs to learn in terms of this grand epic of defeating the fire lord mastering all four elements and everything yeah and there's just so i mean when it comes to the animation the the story the voice acting like everything about it is almost perfect yeah you know what i mean um 
you said middle school was when you got into it. Yeah. Uh, was it because you didn't have the channels or anything? Was yeah. it you're not really interested? Well, so it was a combination of um, not not being super interested, not having cable growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wasn't able to... Like, the only time... Like, if I caught an episode, it was because I would be at my grandparents' house and they had cable. Like, I remember seeing, I think, part of the final episode... Um, when I was maybe like six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was a combination of those two things. But then one of my one of my friends, Harrison, he recommended it to me when after we met in middle school. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll check this out. Um, and he was actually the person who got me into anime as well. Um, he recommended uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is where I got started. Um, so he recommended that I watch uh, Avatar. And he was like, okay, it's on Netflix. I mean, I, I've had access to Netflix forever yeah from the beginning um so like ah, I'll, I'll i'll try this i really liked it um and i was yeah i was saying like you i was i was pleasantly surprised by how well written it was um and just yeah i don't know like you because there's like a lot of um like it's it is very episodic with the exception of a couple it's because it's usually like the final uh, five episodes of a season that have like it feels like one continuous arc yeah and the rest of the the rest of it feels very episodic but even that yeah like you were saying it feels like it's still it does like the narrative doesn't stand still like even those episodic episodes which sort of act well on their own as sort of standalone stories they still drive the narrative forward which i appreciate. yeah and they also um those standalone episodes are very are very much accumulated in the later half of uh, the season yeah. or I guess they uh, uh, culminate in the yeah. later half of the season and they they have really good payoffs like um, I'm on season two right now or I guess book two Earth, where they're now in Bossing say yes. the big city and there's the it's based off like you know countries like Beijing and everything I, I have to interject yeah because I'm a history <laughs> nerd so you know Dai Li yes so fun fact uh, the Dai Li, the secret police organization of uh, the Earth Bossing, Kingdom, so yeah. yeah, they are they are named after a member of the Chinese Kuomintang, the Chinese Nationalist Party. Dai Li, I can't remember what his, um, he had another name, Dai Chunfang, mm-hmm. I think, um, but he was the leader of the KMT's uh, political police, um, the, what is it, the Juntong? Or the Bureau of Investigation and Statistics, and he was like a prominent uh, Chinese fascist. Was I think associated with the Blue Shirt Society? Oh wow! Which was like a clique within the KMT that supported European fascism. Um, just a, just in this yeah, no, I'm a history yeah. guy. Well, it's great because uh, a lot of shows, especially currently, are based on figureheads of pop culture or a book or a movie or a, a, an old show or something. And one thing I love about this and one thing that makes me really grateful about this is what this is mainly based on, aside from storytelling arts of like a Star Wars or a Matrix or whatever, um, it's based off culture primarily. Sure. You know, each tribe has its own uh, inspiration, whether it be the water tribes, of the, you know, and the Eskimos and stuff. Obviously, yeah. Um, the Fire obviously, Nation, the Japanese. Very, yeah, very obviously Japan. Yeah. The Earth Nation is very obviously China, mm-hmm. hence why Dai Li. Um, the Air Nation are kind of like like would you say tibetan i would say tibetan because obviously like their temples are very clearly sort of buddhist inspired yeah also um, uh, parts of uh 
Hindu, uh, Hindu aspects. Yeah, well, they have they use the the robes are sort of they incorporate the saffron color that's associated with Hinduism. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and I I really I really love that aspect of it. I mean, it's really one of the one of the last, and this might be a hot take, but one of the last really original shows. Oh yeah, to have come out, you know. And now we, what's what's ironic about that, is that now we're going to get a remake, essentially a live action remake on Netflix. Um, Have you heard about that? No. You didn't. You no. didn't hear about that. Um, <laughs> what? Well, did you ever watch The Last Airbender? The movie. The movie. I did. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. <laughs> I don't. I don't trust Netflix to adapt popular IPs anymore. Not after. Not after, Not since Death Note. Uh huh. Never again. The movie was. I don't know if you ever watched Death Note. I watched the last fifteen minutes of Death Note <laughs> at a party like years ago. It's a good show. And I would. Uh, what? It's a good show. Oh, oh no! I. You know, it's funny. I saw the first couple episodes of death note uh-huh. the show and i was like oh this is pretty cool i i just didn't keep up with it yeah the movie <laughs> that i watched what the fuck was that like it's that- really bad and it really doesn't i mean my, here's the thing my biggest problem was my biggest problem with it is that it tries to it tries to americanize the story yeah it tries to take a story that is very particular to japan and it tries to transplant it to America, yeah, in a way that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> yeah, now you could. Now there are ways that you can do it. There are ways that you can do it and have it work. But the way that the Netflix movie did it does not. No, and or the Last Airbender because they try to do the same thing with that. Yeah, and like uh, for some weird reason, the Fire Nation are now Indian. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I have no comment. I I'm willing to give it a shot. Now that might be my futile, optimistic side. You're a more free-minded man than I am. Maybe, maybe, but I I am apprehensive a bit because I saw that last film, or I guess the last Airbender. Yeah, the last Airbender. And it was the last Airbender. It was the last one, and I heard they were doing a sequel of that, and then I guess they canceled that and decided to go in the route of a live-action series. And I'm hoping, I'm sincerely hoping that with them approaching it they approach it smart um because they have to know the the what the reaction to the movie yeah, was dude. i mean come on man the animes already are really hard to adapt in yeah, a live action sense I mean, yeah i mean yeah westerners really do not know how to adapt well that's the thing like you can adapt anime into a live action using a live action medium the Japanese do it all the time, sure, but yeah. Westerners don't seem to be capable of doing that. I mean, the Westerners generally just don't seem to be capable of doing anime adaptations. Like, the most successful yeah. adaptations of Japanese, either film or television, that uh, Americans or just Westerners generally have been able to do seem to have been J-horror. And even that, there's like a, a glut of like really bad American <laughs> remakes of J-horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think a big reason as to why a lot of live-action animes fail is because... Our countries are trying to tell two different, very, very different stories. Yeah, you know, we try to tell the story of uh, w- with more of an optimistic uh, undertone, whereas the Japanese, a lot of time, I don't want to say nihilistic, but more, I guess, pessimistic, or or a more real, uh, you know, f- kind of feudal 
uh, undertone in a lot of their stories, you know? And, um, you know, to a degree, I think the issue is more so just the different aesthetic sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the because of because a lot of the the mannerisms and uh, the exaggerated arts. I mean, number one, obviously, anime is cartoon. It's a amusingly, it's a it's a jap it's a it's a sort of localized version of Disney cartoons. Yeah, and I'm sure you know the story yeah. about anime being sort of growing out of Steamboat Willie, and that being the basis for Rocket. What is it? Rocket Boy. Oh, uh, Astro Boy. Astro Boy. Yeah, that's Jung- <laughs> Rocket Boy is Kim Jong Un. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's because because of basically just because of Japanese aesthetic sensibilities where um, their film and TV and theater productions tend to be very the performances tend to be very exaggerated and in anime art styles tend to be very exaggerated and expressive mm-hmm. compared to western tv movies and theaters where it's feels a lot more restrained mm-hmm. in terms of how the actors emote um it yeah i think stuff like that is part of why it doesn't work i mean you think about like um the death note movie where the first time light sees um uh the first time light sees uh, the shinigami and he tried they try to do um a weird like anime freak out reaction but instead of it just comes off comical <laughs> yeah of it course. just doesn't work and then the other thing too is like, just as an aside that's not how light reacts the first time he sees ryuk mm-hmm. he's just sort of like i expected you yeah <laughs> it's good to see you ryuk <laughs> hi there i was wondering when you would show up um <laughs> which is much more true to his character um yeah i don't know i think i think it's one the aesthetic sensibilities and then to just um american creators having because like because americans have the privilege of not because america's sort of is for now is the global hegemon we have the luxury of not really needing to learn about other cultures um i think there is a lack of understanding and awareness uh surrounding japanese culture that leads american creators to misinterpret what is going on in yeah. anime and manga. Well, I mean, and you see this yeah. especially with like um, with localizations with like dubs and subs. That's a really big issue mm-hmm. um, in like among like western anime fans. It's like how uh, anime and manga get translated into English or some other European language. Um, so yeah, it's I think those are the really the big issues. Yeah. Well, for me a great example of the cultural differences in how we tell a story versus the Japanese let's say you know in terms of anime is uh the the ending of the original Cowboy Bebop you know I feel like that ending is much more somber and tragic but they try to normalize it and make it kind of fantastical whereas we like if you look at the ending of the fucking Cowboy Bebop series we did it's more like it's setting up another sequel and in doing that they try to set up hope at the end whereas uh, the original yeah. doesn't try to do that type of shit it ends with uh Spike and Jet never not re- reconciling yeah. and splitting apart Jet's angry that Spike left him and then Spike ends up getting fucking killed yeah and um 
you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like there are differences in, in how and why we're telling the stories, you know? Sure. Well, there's, there's a profit, uh, there's a profit motive going on with American adaptations of stuff like this. Um, that is not necessarily present with the Japanese. I mean, obviously like, you know, there's still an issue with Japan where like you have, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, there's all, there's the joke about like stuff like one piece being the longest running yes. uh, anime and manga <laughs> and you know how much, I don't know how much of that is for creative versus commercial reasons, but I think it's, Oh God, it's been going on for like forever. Huh? 10 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot who I was talking to recently about one piece, but we were talking about it and, um, they told me not to read it. Yeah, because I've, it would just take too long. It would take my whole life. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say I, I'm actually gonna look this up now. How many years <laughs> has One Piece been going? One Piece, yeah, One Piece. Didn't they make a movie of One Piece like uh, in I Japan? There, I think there are a couple different movies, um, like live action ones. Yeah, and I uh, and I think they're working on a I, yeah. I think they're working one on Western, here on a Western adaptation. Yeah, I don't know who's doing. Is it Netflix also? I think it might I hope be. not. Okay, no, yeah. So it's been running for. More for more than twenty years since nineteen ninety seven, so twenty five. Oh my god! Holy yeah. shit! A quarter. Orewa Monkey D Luffy. See, that's what I'm saying. It's twenty five years. Yeah. Of that. A quarter of a century. I, I, I'm not reading that. And this is the book you're talking about, right? Yeah. Or, or the yeah the manga. The manga. Yeah. Not not even the show. Is the show still on? Um, I think it is. Oh my god. This is insane. Uh, yeah, because I don't, because uh, I don't think the, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, and there's 103 volumes. Oh my God, dude. There's some weeb out there who has all 103. It's time to read, or yeah. it's time to, I'm sorry, it's time to, to end that shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. It comes a point where it's, it's just time to end that shit. Do you think they'll ever end One Piece in your lifetime? Uh, I think it will end when the creator dies, probably. At this point... How old is the creator? Um, that's a very, <laughs> Back to the That's phone. a very good question. <laughs> um, we're going to look this up. Uh, Ichiro Oda, um, born 1975. Uh, oh, okay. So he's 47. So he's not that old. He's, not, you know, he's be, middle-aged. Keep, keep going. Uh, I mean, and life expectancy is very long in Japan, so oh, you could shit. be going for a long time. So, no, it won't end in our lifetimes. Uh, well, it depends on how long we live. It, it doesn't matter, especially <laughs> compared to something as big as One Piece over there. Yeah. No, it's not. Well, I'm saying there may be someone who picks it up. Yeah, after exactly. He dies. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Avatar Last Airbender, great show. I love the Star foreshadowing. Wars, the Star Wars it. holiday special. <laughs> oh, do, you know, I actually do want to have a screening of that um, in December. Okay. The holiday special. Because um, you know how our screenings go. I mean, yeah. you were there for the room and everything. and You I, made the room a bearable movie. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. Don't, don't be like that. The room's an amazing. It's, it's a fun, masterpiece. But you, you, made it, you made it a genuinely good movie as well, opposed to a so bad it's good movie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, actually. For those who don't know, I re-edited The Room as a black and white uh, silent film. It was like almost like an erotic thriller. <laughs> well, I think the original is a, an erotic thriller. Uh, yes. The Room is just erotic. Yes. We see the ass in there and everything. Ugh, the, I remember the, you calling out, the horrible show the ass. ass. Show the ass. I was, I was honestly a little disappointed you didn't you didn't include Tommy Wiseau's ass. I know. I know. I, I actually did. I do remember you yelling, oh, come on. <laughs> but, you know. You know, that's not You're, the phone. It wasn't the tone you were going no, for. No, no. It would have 
I think it would have fallen apart at that point if Probably. I showed the ass. You know, maybe a post-credit scene where it's just it <laughs> zooms it's like in. Than, we get to be the post-credit scene where we can see Thanos' ass. <laughs> yeah, Thanos. Is, well, I mean, it's already got that chin, you know. Yeah. Our, that nutsack chin. <laughs> now we just need the nutsack ass, you know, for Thanos. Um, he's but, trying to get into my ass. <laughs> he's trying. <laughs> if they don't, it listen. If in the next Avengers film with Kang in it, they don't try to get into it. Yeah. Ass. If if Ant Man doesn't try to do that shit. F. F already. It doesn't matter anymore. As a side on the topic of the boys, I think there's. it's very possible that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is playing Tech Knight. I think he will play I Tech would Knight. Be, I sure. would be very surprised if he wasn't. No, I think he's playing Tech Knight. Especially just considering uh, the kinds of roles he's done. Yeah. You know, the much grittier, also comical kind of roles. I would say uh, edgy to the point of absurdity. Yes, and I feel like Tech Knight, depending on how... Uh, extravagant, extravagant, they get with him because he's a sex addict. Yeah, right? he, I hope he gets to fuck a meteor. Because <laughs> this is something he does in the comics. Oh god, they'll. Oh my, it'll be like seven meteors, <laughs> seven of them, and that's how he'll save the the Earth from the meteors. He'll just <laughs> explode into them. You know, like remember in Armageddon they went up to the meteor and they planted the atom bombs and everything. That's that. All you need is Tech Knight having sex with a meteor. And then we're saved. We're saved. But the thing is, they'll probably have his his aftermath like spread all over the earth. You know what I mean? Oh god! Like just and but it, it. But the thing is, it's so strong it won't burn up in the atmosphere. It'll just like you know all over. And then the little tech knights will crawl out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the armor, yes. they're born with the armor. Uh, but yeah, no. Aside from tech, you know what's great. Is the holiday special? <laughs> the holiday Star Wars holiday special. It's the Halloween season. You know, honestly, that's a perfect horror film for fucking Halloween. The Star Wars holiday special. Oh. <laughs> that I mean, come on, that doesn't belong in December. That belongs in October, my friend. Yeah. I mean, God, damn, have you actually ever watched the holiday special? No, I'm a little scared too. <laughs> I feel like I would just be really bored during certain parts of it yeah like the from what i know of the holiday special the um the parts with the 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 wookies and shit you know that seems like the most entertaining but like the interludes seem very boring yeah yeah i mean i i want to watch it for historical purposes sure especially before watching guardians of the galaxy holiday special is that a thing yeah it's coming out the the guardians of the galaxy holiday special by james gunn uh this december you didn't hear about this. You can't see my face, but I have a very pained expression on it. <laughs> it looks paralyzed. You look paralyzed. Come on, actually. That, tell me that you're not excited. That could either be for great or terrible. And I'm leaning on the side of it being great because I need some redemption for the Guardians after seeing them in Love and Thunder because it wasn't the worst I've ever seen of them. But, well, actually, I mean, it wasn't. It, it kind of was the worst because it didn't, it, they didn't <laughs> they don't, feel like they the don't, Guardians. They, they didn't. Well, and they don't really factor into the plot at all. Which I would. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen them in like a Thor movie. That would have been fun. That would have been really cool instead it of just set up. It would have been very crowded, but you could make a. You could find a way to make it work. Yes, I feel like. there there is a way to make it work, especially in with Thor's search for family. Yeah, you know, after losing his whole family. Yeah, like I. And this is a sidebar, a, a chocolate bar, as it were. Um, I, the the part that really made me not feel like it was the Guardians that I love from James Gunn was when 
like Star Lord just kind of ditches Thor because even though he doesn't like, I, have you seen Love and Thunder? No. Okay, so there's a part where they ditch Thor. I'm sorry to spoil it, but this is in the opening. They ditch Thor. Star Lord is very um, dismissive, and I get like they don't really like each other. Yeah. But especially after all the shit that Star Lord has has gone through with losing his mom, his dad, his his surrogate father in Yondu, like. Gamora now, you know, like, yeah. I feel like he would probably be there more. Be a little more compassionate. A bit more compassionate. And it's, I mean, like, this it's is, I just mean, a big F off. You I, know? Mean, this is a, I mean, this is a problem with the MCU lately is writers seemingly forgetting the lore that was established in phases one through three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Or, or, or doesn't surprise me. Or, or really um, sticking to the consequences of yeah. said lore. You know what I mean? Like, like. You know, let's let's just get into it. So, like with Thor, <laughs> Thor, for example, we're switching tack to yeah. uh, to Marvel now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we had a, a, a topic later on that we can. Uh, we'll just move it to now. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the topic of this thing that I brought up to you is is the MCU. Are yeah. they rushing to Secret Wars? Because it's yeah. coming out in what, like four or five years? I think. At yeah. The, at the end of six, phase six. It's coming out, I'm and they are f- the the thing about this topic is phase four so far more than any other of the phases has been really filled with content, you know, filled with uh, uh, direct content because before you had shows like Runaways, Agents of Shield, uh, the Dare- the Netflix stuff, you had that stuff, but it was almost like a side, you know, you could watch it and decide for yourself yeah, whether it was. Which canon is why I like it because it, yeah. again, I've said this before, I like the defenders uh saga because it feels largely disconnected the stakes are much smaller mm-hmm. um and it feels like it stands on its own in a larger universe i like yeah. that yeah and now with i'm tired of blue lasers <laughs> yeah and there are no blue lasers in any netflix stuff and all that um but now everything is connected to the point that you have to watch almost everything yeah and well, what do you think of that business model? First of all, like, what do you what do you think of that? I think it was a mistake. I think that what they probably should have done is wait a period of like two to three years after the release of uh, Endgame. Endgame, uh-huh. um, so that they could one people could you could like. Um, I don't know. There's like a there's like a pressure release valve where like the hype has gone down. It's like okay, this is really fun. Mm-hmm. You get to enjoy it, and then after a period of years, um, people can get excited about Marvel again. Yeah. Whereas now, I think I think the people at Disney, I think the execs were scared that people would lose interest after Endgame and Infinity War. Now I think their plan was to say, okay, we're just gonna bombard, we're just gonna bombard audiences. Yeah. With all of this content, and that's really what it is. It, it feels like content. It doesn't feel like a story right um you know the because like, i feel like with the exception of um we feel like maybe with the exception of loki everything um i don't know um would you say it feels like a lot of the same um, not a lot of the same but like if their goal is to build up to secret wars this doesn't it all feel i don't know it just feels very disjointed yeah. Um, actually, no, I take that back. Um, uh, also, um, uh, the second Doctor Strange movie and then No Way Home also do a good job of building up, not to see and, Wars, and but Wa- to... Um, the multiverse idea, right? Yeah. Like, and WandaVision as yeah, well. WandaVision yeah, WandaVision does as well. Um, yeah. But there's problems within 
those within those TV shows in terms of how there seem to be inconsistencies in terms of how they represent how the multiverse works. Yeah. And you have to keep track of, okay, there's dimensions. Right, right. There's parallel realities, there's timelines, and mm-hmm. there's realms, and then how do these all work? And they seem to use certain terms interchangeably. So, yeah. It's, yeah. It's messy. I feel like what they're trying to do is fit, like, because it took 10 years to get the Thanos. Yeah. They're trying to fit all of that within a much shorter time span. Yes, and which that, is a mistake. I feel like that's a mistake as well, even though I am I am looking forward to a lot of that stuff. Like, and I enjoyed uh, quite a bit of, of what just came out. Like, I did, I loved the Spider-Man film that came out. I, sure. Moon Knight really got me uh, emotional and everything. Um uh, what else? Uh, what else came out? I uh, like the uh, Shang Chi. I like that one. Loki. You know, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, Strange. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I mean, so this I, is the problem is we're having trouble remembering yeah. everything that came out. Yes, that is part of the problem. I mean, there's 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 just a lot, and I feel like this will eventually add on to the superhero fatigue. Yeah. that people are. I've heard more often nowadays. Yeah, you know? and this, that's the other thing too is it feels like Disney are trying to milk as much money as they can out of the IPs that they own yeah. while people are still interested in seeing superhero media. Yeah. Because um, I feel at this point, um, especially with the way the MCU is going, at this point I feel like superhero films are going the way of like the old like action man films from the 90s with like, oh, yeah. Schwarzenegger and Stallone. It feels like we're getting to that level of, of comical yeah of yeah. campiness and silliness and like over the top yeah jumping the shark stuff <laughs> like the uh what's that one he did at schwarzenegger it's like the the definition of what you're talking about like uh i think it was called a racer where he was like it's one of those just one of those movies that he did that was just an action film at the just generic action film. Well, yeah see, just, I, I was thinking almost of um I was thinking of um, <laughs> stop or my mom will shoot uh action usa which uh-huh. is a um his name. It's Chuck Norris movie oh, about the U.S. being invaded by the Soviets in Cuba. And it's exactly as over-the-top silly as you would expect. Isn't that just Red Dawn, but with Chuck Norris? Um, basically, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the U.S. gets invaded by, like, a coalition. I think they invade Florida. It's, like, a coalition <laughs> of, like, um, Soviet and Soviet-aligned communists, um, Islamists, and, like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like a multicultural anti-American coalition. Um, yeah, what's, what's it called? Um, I think it's Action USA. Red Letter. Red Letter talked about it on an episode of Half in the or oh, not Half in the Bag. Uh, no, um, best of the worst. worst. Yeah. You know it, what's sad about that is you just saying Action USA. I knew it was Chuck Norris. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like just that well, yeah. name. Well, <laughs> well, the other the other movie that came to mind is um, I think it's Death Wish Three with Charles Bronson. Oh my! Where God, the story see. the story is just an excuse. For just for us to see Charles Bronson like viciously murder some thugs, <laughs> which you know it's fun, yeah, but it's not it's not nutritious in the way that I mean. Granted, there's probably not a whole lot of nutrition in the original <laughs> in the original Death Wish film either. Um, still a good movie, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like it, the third, it really is just an excuse for us to see Chuck Norris violently kill people. Which I. I think a great example, a great analogy is the first Die Hard compared to what happened after. Yeah, you know, that's like another one. The first Die Hard is, without a doubt, one of the greatest action films of all time. Yeah. It's just, it's fantastic. And then it 
it devolved into a joke yeah. at this point. Well, you know, the same, the same thing also happened at the slasher genre yep. where like by the end of it, you have Jason goes to space. Yeah. Jason in Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> fighting the Muppets in Manhattan. Yeah. Well, you have Hellraiser went to space. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Did Michael Myers go to space? Uh, I don't know. He should he go might, to space. He might have. Honestly, at this point, he might as well fight Batman. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those characters <laughs> at this point, you know? <laughs> Freddie Williams will do that. He'll do the, uh, he did the TMNT uh, crossover. He can do With the, Batman? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Freddie Williams will, he'll write and illustrate the, the Halloween <laughs> Batman crossover. I, I'm kind of, I mean, he fought Predator in the comics, so. That's true. Might That's as well. True. I'm surprised it hasn't actually happened yet. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, the MCU, although I'm a, I, I still watch it, I still enjoy it. Um, even with a lot of the hate that She-Hulk has been getting, specifically about the, the twerking and stuff. It just... It, I'll, I'll keep watching. It know. feels so gratuitous. Yeah, but, you know... it A little bit, but I mean, twerking exists. Okay, sure, but <laughs> the question is, is it gratuitous or not? Yeah. And it, I don't know, yeah, just... Yeah. I, I, have a lot, I have a lot of things to say about that show. It, yeah. It, it feels like the writers didn't want to write a She-Hulk show so much as they wanted to write... A Sex in the City ripoff, which they specifically yeah. cited, I think, Sex in the City. Oh, and did then, they? Yeah, Sex in the City, and then, um, oh, uh, uh Grey's or uh, not, uh, Desperate Housewives. No, it was one some, of those shows. It was some. Here, it's great. it was some female-centric um, legal drama. I don't remember what it was. Um, Legally Blonde. No, I mean that's a comedy. No, but... it was a TV series, more recent. Okay, okay. I don't remember what it was. Um, but yeah, like you get the impression that like these are not people who know or love comics or even just specifically She-Hulk mm-hmm. as a character. This feels like people who, these feel like people who were brought in to write a Disney product and they just decided to slap their own thing on, or they tried to make, they tried to make a pre-existing character, pre-existing property conform to what they wanted to do, which is not yeah. the right way to do adaptations. Yeah. I, um, what I'll say is that I think what Phase Four was ideally um, was another Phase One in terms of yeah. setting up a lot of new characters, yeah. getting us excited to see them interact with each other. Yeah, which yeah. I would have I would have liked that, and I think the I think the missed opportunity would have been to do basically like the new Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I yeah. was thinking specifically of like you remember the they do a, a new Avengers episode where it's yeah. Like, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, War Machine, uh, Wolverine was there. Wolverine, yeah, was uh, he? The thi- yeah, Wolverine was there. Okay. The Thing, uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Yeah, Luke Cage and Iron Fist yeah. were there. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah like, I like that one. Ideally, yeah, that's what this should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, yeah, it just feels like they're trying to take the money and run. I I think they're trying to build to that point though. Yeah. And I think that's going to be in the Kang Dynasty film coming out. Yeah. Avengers Kang Dynasty. I I want to know what the lineup for the Avengers looks like in that. Yeah, I'm curious as well. A lot of them are dead or retired. Like, Tony's dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Cap is going to die soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised he's still alive. Well, Falcon Probably and Winter Soldier shouldn't. They they were very iffy about whether he died or they just what they kept on saying was Steve is gone. He's just gone. They didn't say if he's dead or alive or not. Well, he shows up as an old man, so it's like I know, but Fal- but Falcon Winter Soldier's after that. 
like at the big opening scene, I thought they were setting up a like a funeral. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to the whole world, he's dead. Yeah. You know, to, like what they say to the whole world, he is dead, I yeah. guess, for his own protection or whatever. So, yeah. you know, it could be either one. It could be yeah. either one. They're, bl- they're being very iffy with that. Yeah. Thor is, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Thor is mm. somewhere else. Yeah, I, is Thor going to show up? Is Hulk going to show up? And if so, is he still going to be Professor Hulk? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is taking away, really took away all the interesting parts of what makes Hulk Hulk. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to deal with that alter ego anymore. Um, and it doesn't feel like you really, like, I don't see the other guy in Professor Hulk. I just see, I just see Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't, it, it feels like Bruce Banner in the Hulk skin. It doesn't right. feel like... It doesn't actually feel like the other guy in Bruce Banner fused into... Because that's the thing. is like the idea is that the Hulk is a dissociative identity as that came about as a result of childhood trauma. Right. And it you could have done something interesting where Bruce actually had to do like some kind of psychological thing where he reintegrated that dissociative identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't feel like any of that happens. It just yeah. feels like Bruce. It's it's a bit weird with the Hulk because they Marvel hasn't had the rights to the Hulk. Yeah. So is it still universal? I think... Rights? I don't know. I remember hearing a story that they got the rights back to the Hulk, but then I I keep on hearing other things that they don't have the rights. Okay. It, or maybe it was Namor that they got because Namor was with Universal. Well, for a while. and they when they've had to change a whole lot about Namor so that he's not a well, he's not Atlantean. He's he's um he's more based in Aztec culture. Yeah, you know? uh, like, which I'm cool with. I think that's yeah. Really I don't cool. I don't necessarily mind, and it's a way to differentiate him from Aquaman, which yes. I think is a smart move mm-hmm. given that DC was able to release Aquaman first. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I... I think with the Hulk, they if they had the opportunity to make a film about him, I would love they, to watch it. They would I, have done I that. Don't, I don't necessarily have the confidence that it would be good, but I would. I would love a Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Yeah, F- Phase Four. I think. Uh, it's getting a bit muddled, even though there are uh, there are shows and films that I'm a fan of. There are bright but, spots. Yeah, I like the the ones that. I'm a fan of the origin story. You know, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of understanding who a character is, and then have at first having trouble, uh, really getting behind the idea that they will become, let's say, an Avenger. Yeah. Right. Like Shang Chi, I think did that well. Moon Knight did it in a very different way, and. I kind of get that feeling from She-Hulk because she doesn't want to be a superhero. So it's going to be, for me, it's going to be exciting to see her get to that point of becoming a hero. You know what I mean? Eh, maybe. I, I, I hope it'll, I hope it'll improve. I hope it'll improve. That's my, that's my genuine hope. Cause I, if nothing else, the She-Hulk movie or the She-Hulk TV show being released is maybe want to read the original She-Hulk comics. Mm-hmm. Cause she seems like a fun character yeah, that yeah. I would enjoy reading or watching. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. That that's at least one good thing to come out of it. From, yeah, from my perspective, it makes you want to read more comics. Yeah, it makes me want. It makes me, and it makes me want to read a Marvel character too. Yeah, do you it, that? Which is crazy. That I've never heard that from you before. <laughs> that's insane. I've, like the only the only Marvel characters that I like are the ones that remind me of Batman. That's basically <laughs> it. It's why I like so, Pun- it's why I like Punisher. It's why I like Daredevil. It's why I like actually that's not true because I like the X Men too. Yeah. Um. So I I like Dare I like Moon Knight. Um. Moon, Moon Knight also mm-hmm. uh, the TV show got me interested in Moon Knight. Um. Uh, I like all the X Men, um, and the X Men related properties because I grew up watching the um. The '90s uh, X-Men TV oh, yeah? show, yeah. yeah, the one with the badass uh, intro theme. Yeah. Did you get excited when you heard that again? And, uh, no. Oh, okay. It felt like member berries. But did remember you remember? This? Did you remember though? I yes, I remembered it. 
Did you do the X when when that happened no. in the theater? Did you put no. cross your arms? I didn't go to see it in the theater. Oh, did you watch it like or not here, but at home? No. Oh, you didn't watch it. You've no. never watched it. No. Oh, okay. Well then, how do you I'm, remember? I'm scared to watch it because <laughs> I've seen clips. Oh, okay. I'm I'm scared to. I don't know. I I want I want Sam Raimi to make more movies. Yeah, and I think he will. I hope so. I, I hope I hope he gets to make his shadow movie. That would be really cool. Yes. The Shadow, uh, directed by... Because he did The Phantom, right? No, he did Darkman. Oh, he was, did Darkman. Okay. He, which was Who? supposed to be um, The Shadow, but I think there was... I think it was either there were some rights issues or the studio just didn't, didn't want to give him the rights uh-huh. to The Shadow, which is funny because they ended up doing The Shadow movie with Alec Baldwin, I think, a few yeah. years later. Yeah. I think maybe inspired by the success of Darkman. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because those are now like little cult hits. Yeah, which I've been meaning to see it because it's supposedly not terrible. Yeah. Dark, um, which one? Darkman? The, no, well, I've seen Darkman and Darkman is really good because mm-hmm. it's the same Raimi movie. Yeah. Um, take the fucking bear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and just the way his skin bubbles, it's so good. And can, the, can, the face. Can we get Liam Neeson to work with Sam Raimi again? Yeah, well, the, I, I really hate that he wasn't able to convince the studio to cast... Um, to cat why am i forgetting the guy's name um bruce campbell i oh, was really yeah. sad that he wasn't able to get bruce campbell to play dark man because he would have been so good yeah i can just see him i can hear him saying take the bear and it would have been so good <laughs> well um, now he's pizza papa he's pizza papa pizza papa that was my favorite part in the movie pizza papa, pudding, papa. <laughs> even though i would have loved to see him as ash again in yeah. multi uh the doctor strange film um well i want to see him as mysterio Let's see. That would have been cool, also. But I, I, I'm just happy seeing Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I'm general. gonna say whenever you know, I will take whatever Bruce Campbell <laughs> I can get. He's a wonderful man. Exactly. Um, but uh, this is now the multiverse saga yeah. of the MCU. Do you, Do you think that complicates things? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm the thing that I'm scared of is that they is at the end of it they're just gonna they're just gonna totally close off the multiverse and be like hey you can't access it anymore mm-hmm. it's one it was a one-time thing by the end of what secret was uh no by the end of um the king dynasty oh okay uh, by the end yeah after they defeat kings like hey you can't access the multiverse anymore it doesn't it has no repercussions <laughs> that's what i'm really scared of yeah is that they're just gonna be like ah this has this doesn't it didn't mean anything that's what i'm really scared of okay um and i think yeah that's what i'm most scared of and that they're just going to use the multiverse now as an excuse to make content in the multiverse that doesn't i don't know if they i'm not necessarily opposed to them just being like hey we're gonna make this thing that's not connected to the main timeline of the mcu and that is just um it's just its own thing i'm not opposed to that because that's what they're doing with the the x-men uh tv show revival yeah um but the i'm worried that yeah that the multiverse thing is not going to have any consequences overall yeah it already feels like the blip doesn't have any hasn't had consequences it feels like people's like eh blip happens i'm back i think it's it, great. i think it did earlier on in this phase you sure. know with things like wandavision and falcon and winter soldier yeah but then it feels like by the time um uh um doctor strange 2 comes out um People, people have already forgotten just about used it or just it. gotten over it. Yeah. I think the Secret Invasion show is going to get more into it. I, actually, I think it's going to be set during that time. That would See, I would like that. Yeah. Because that's a whole that's period of five years? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole period, period of five years that you that would be really interesting to explore. I would really enjoy that. Yeah. Like, that's... 
Because and then this is a problem with again with comic comic books generally is you have these big gigantic world ending events yeah. that yeah. after the arc is over it feels like nothing matters. Nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah, and people just go back to living their lives <laughs> when realistically there are so many interesting things you could do and it feels like authors are always either authors or editors are too cowardly yeah. to actually explore the consequences of events like that. Well, they just referenced the some of the events of the Eternals. Um, in one of yeah, the Shiok episodes, that like seems that like is something that doesn't connect at all either. Yeah, which is crazy because some big shit happens in it that yeah. you would imagine it would be referenced in something. People you know, would know about it. Yeah, like it, a giant person shows up in the sky in yeah. space above the earth and then uh, and there's another giant person stone statue thing in our oceans yeah and it's just it is just it's reference like, it's like if cthulhu woke up tomorrow and yeah. then people just went on about their lives yeah no they need to get this shit in order i'm sorry i love marvel and i love a lot of what they've done with i think a lot of it is still an achievement because it's i mean look at the other people who try to do this well type yeah and say if nothing else they <laughs> they are still able to make it work I, yeah you know i i admit i'm a dc partisan but i'm not i'm not going to say the dc is above criticism with no this. no of course not so i i love them but that's why i'm giving them that tough love right give now a, give them a pass yeah yeah, yeah okay, okay. Let's talk about some comics yes. that we've been reading lately. I want to start with you because you got your stack right there. Yeah. I want to hear some of the stuff you've been reading because this is this is really cool stuff you got here. Yeah. So I, like I said, uh, I have a bookstore and a public library branch just down the street from me. So I was like, eh, I'll see what stuff they have. Um, I picked up. I think we go to the same bookstore sometimes, actually. Probably. Yeah. Um, so I picked up um, Huck. Which is oh, so I read two stories by Mark Miller. Mm -hmm. I read Nemesis, which is billed as a "What if Batman were evil?" story. It's not about Batman. It's about it's uh, like a, a generic, not a generic, but, but a, like a kind a, of Batman as a Batman type called right, yeah. Nemesis. He's like he's like a Batman if he dressed in all white and didn't have ears. Oh okay, oh, <laughs> okay. It reminds me of the boys at the very end of that comic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I read that, um, and then I read Huck. Um, Nemesis is. It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very, it's a lot of spectacle. Yeah. Um, the, like I said, it's built as like a, what if Batman were evil? It's like, um, funnily enough, I didn't, I wasn't reminded so much of Batman when I was reading it. I was reminded more of Prometheus. The, oh, okay. The, um, granted it's kind of set up. He's one of a couple characters who are meant to be an anti-Batman. The other big one I can think of is Wrath. Um, but yeah, he's like, um, comes from royalty family. His, parents or his father were arrested and i think his father ends up committing suicide and i think so does his mom and so he tries to get basically tries to get revenge on commissioner gordon oh, okay. who locked up his family which the commissioner gordon character i'm fairly certain this was intentional he looks a lot like Viggo mortensen oh really oh, yeah, wow. yeah i'm fairly certain that was intentional that's interesting um it's a, it's okay it's a lot of edginess for edginess sake but the spectacle of it is fun um the actual story itself is kind of eh, shaky but mm -hmm. it's a fun quick read if nothing else so i would recommend it um hawk i don't know that i could totally recommend it's kind of like a the titular hawk is kind of like a superman character oh yeah Look at um this. this is a nice cover though i yeah. like this cover a lot i see the artwork is nice um but again the story is kind of meh i didn't feel especially engaged by it uh -huh. um that said i like the character of hawk he is really wholesome 
And you and said he's like a Superman type. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have all of Superman's powers, mm-hmm. but he's kind of a Superman type character. Yeah, or more like Superboy, honestly, because he doesn't have a persona of his own. And he's kind of just like helping out around his small town. Oh um, yeah, look at this in it's like beautiful. the Midwest. Um, but yeah, it's a he's a fun character. The story is kind of eh. Again, um, I. I guess I would give it a kind of a lukewarm recommendation if uh-huh. only because, you know, again, Huck is a genuinely wholesome and kind character and it's yeah. refreshing to see that in superhero comics when it feels yeah. like a lot of superheroes are just assholes nowadays. If anything, you should pick it up for the artwork. I mean, this artwork is actually really beautiful. Yeah, the artwork is nice. Yeah, I like um, these characters. I like these models here, especially with Huck and everything. His yeah, figure. And, well, again, you can see very clearly, like, he's very clearly modeled off Superman. Yeah. He's got, like, the cowlick. Yeah, the cow leg, the the uh, stature, the 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 good old boy look, and everything. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so it's it's okay. I I would give it a tentative recommendation. The other thing that I was reading is mm-hmm. Justice League oh, International. This is a classic. I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, it Justice League International is famously the funny Justice League. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, it was funny because we were talking about how Bull Burr should be Guy Gardner. Yes. This has Guy Gardner in it yeah. as the Green Lantern. And I've been reading, in my mind, I've been <laughs> reading him using Bill Burr's voice from F is for Family. <laughs> and it's made this so much it's a good more fit. enjoyable. Yeah, it's, it fits very well. Um, they yeah. should do an animated adaptation. With and get Guy Gardner. It B- would be really Bill good yeah. to voice it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's really good. Um, again, it's... I would read it more for the comedy than anything else. The, yeah. Like the actual like stories are, they're okay. Um, uh, the, I don't read it so much for the villains that the Justice League are facing so much as the dynamics they have with each other. Yeah. I think that's more, that's really the, the selling point for this. And it's, and it's a really unique team also. Yeah. So it's got... L- list um, off some of the numbers. Yeah. So Batman is the leader. Right. Um, you've got... Um, it's funny because they refer to Shazam as Captain Marvel. Yeah. Which... I was who I was talking to where he was like, one of my friends was surprised. Like, Oh, he's not, he wasn't originally called Shazam. No. And I was like, yeah, you can't, he can't call himself. Like if someone, yeah. if someone came up to him and was like, Oh, you're a new superhero. What's your name? Oh, my name's Shazam. Oh, I'm Billy oh, Batson. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I, you decide, yeah. you decide, you take it from here. Yeah. Like also like, obviously you can't call him Shazam because you would just turn back into Billy Batson. So yeah, they call him Captain Marvel. And when they call him Captain Marvel and this, um, he's kind of like the surrogate Superman of this team. Um, cause obviously Shazam was created as a clone of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, not like a clone clone, but he was created to capitalize off a the response of Superman. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then got bought out by DC. Um, you have Guy Gardner, the third Green Lantern as the, the GL for this team. Um, Martian Manager is still there. Um, you have Black Canary, who's kind of the Wonder Woman of the team. Um, you have the second Dr. Light, um, you have Blue Beetle. Um, Dr. Fate. Yeah, Dr. Fate. Yeah. And then you have uh, Mr. Miracle, Mr. Miracle and Oberon, yeah. which I read Oberon's voice using Danny DeVito's voice. Oh, well, that's perfect. It, it totally fits. <laughs> Danny DeVito has a couple different characters from DC that he can play. Oberon is one of them. Mr. Mixelpictolict is another one. Oh, yeah. He would be really good. Um, <laughs> although I feel like maybe... Um, why am I forgetting his name? Um uh Tyrion. oh um peter dinklage i feel like peter dinklage might Mr. be a little Mixi- better as mixes mixes Pitalik. yeah although i don't know that he could do comedy as well as danny devito 
Well, I mean, they're very different kinds of comedy, right? Cause, yeah. Because Dinklage... Uh, Dinklage is very dry. He's very dry. Like, I think he's hilarious in a Elf. You remember that? I haven't that? seen that. Oh, my God. He I mean, is he's hilarious in Game of Thrones. Hilarious. Yeah, no, he's he's actually a really uh, witty fella. Yeah. Um, but if you watch him in Elf for December... For your child. Wa- <laughs> watch Elf, okay? Because there is a moment in there where he is hysterical actually okay uh, and he could probably pull it off but it would just be more like a very uh stoic uh you know sardonic version of mr yeah which is why Matisse i think Pitalik. which is why i think danny devito would work a little bit better because yeah. he can do zane better <laughs> um, well him as frank reynolds is is uh, yeah, that yeah pretty much i was gonna say like that's mr mixes Pitalik on like cocaine <laughs> are you kidding me there are a bunch of nuts with guns headed down there that lizard talks <laughs> lizard I standing in piss? <laughs> okay. Wait. I don't think I can fit. Oh shit. Sure you can. <laughs> Just climb into my mouth. <laughs> okay. Mr. Mixie's piddling into he has the toilet. For <laughs> Doctor Strange 2 into the toilet. He has donkey brains. Mr. Yeah. Mixie's piddling. Yeah. 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 And um who would you who would you get very sidebar, very sidebar. Yes. Very quick one who'd you get danny devito to play in the marvel universe oh that's tough um shit um i feel like there's an x-men character he could play Um, like toad or something toad would be if you want if you wanted to be if you wanted toad to be more of a comic relief character he could be good yeah um i would i would have said modok honestly oh yeah yeah modok actually he would be really good as modok yeah um I'm trying to think who else you'd be good as. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think those are kind of the those are kind of the top ones. Yeah, very very small narrow field, yeah. but uh, yeah. international. I yeah. love Mister Miracle. Yeah, JLI is really good. Again, funny Justice League. You don't read it so much for the conflicts that the Justice League has with the villains. You read it more for the interpersonal dynamics of the Justice League. Yeah, ironically, like it makes them it really humanizes them as yeah. characters. Yeah. You know? a lot of the books you read for the plot of like who they're fighting and everything. Yeah, where they this, where they are set up almost as like demigods. Yes, which yeah. I this it bugs me so much that Batman when he's fighting with the Justice League that he doesn't wear like a Dark Knight Returns style exosuit. That bugs me. Oh, to no oh, end. like the mechanical one. Yeah, it yeah. bugs me to know in that he doesn't do that. He's he Batman. Really, he realistically bro. should. Like, he's I've, Batman. I'm in. I so I follow both the Batman and the Superman subreddits, mm-hmm. and there's been a discussion the last week about how Batman, when he's fighting alongside the Justice League, <laughs> has a lot of plot armor. And the way you resolve that plot <laughs> armor Batman. is you just give him an exosuit. No, he dude, has he's Batman. He has a League Buster. You can just have him pilot the League Buster. It's not that. It's not that much of a stretch. Actually, what you have to understand about Batman, okay? Is he's the goddamn he's Batman, Batman. All I know, right, I know. he's Batman, and we'll talk a little bit about that, right, a little bit later. Yes. But um, I, another Batman. Speaking book. of Batman, yeah. Well, this is not um, this is not Bruce Wayne. This nah, is Dick so, Grayson. Yeah. So this is Batman, Robin, um, Grant Morrison. Yeah. Um, I I was pleasantly surprised. So the art for this is done by Frank Quitely, mm-hmm. um, who also worked with Mark Miller on Jupiter's Legacy. I was very surprised to find that this was Frank Quitely doing the artwork because his faces aren't terrifying. Yeah, he has a very odd way of designing faces. Something about the way that he draws faces, it's very uncanny valley. Like, I'm sure yeah. you, I'm going to reference a, <laughs> an art, a cover art that he did, piece of cover that he did. It's for Brian Azzarello's run on Superman. Yes. It, you're thinking of the, it's the one where Superman is sitting on a cloud and he's turning, I was going to say facing the camera, but 
He's looking at the reader. He's turning back, and he's got this very slight smile. All-Star Superman. Yeah. I, that's another Grant Morrison one. He's, no, I think it's Brian Azzarello, actually. All-Star Superman? I'm pretty sure. Maybe, well, I don't know. I think it, I, Wait, we can I, check. The we can one check that later. I saw, I was surprised, because I thought it was Grant Morrison, yeah. too, because um, he and Frank Whiteley work a lot as well. But I was surprised, because I think it was Brian Azzarello. Okay. Which well, I was surprised. We'll double-check that. That's not... Superman is not what I would expect in Azzarello's wheelhouse. Okay. Um yeah, because he's the one. He's a guy who wrote 100 Bullets. He make um, he makes uh, the characters, especially someone like Superman, like really big, strong men. Yeah, you know, almost like um, almost like wrestlers, almost. You know, yeah, which I like. Yeah. it fits for like Superman. Um, but yeah, I the faces are not horrifying. The artwork is really good. Yeah, the first half. So I was really excited because I like, I like the dynamic that because um, Damian Wayne is the Robin to yeah. um, Dick Grayson's Batman. I like the dynamic that they have. I feel like Damien works best when he's paired with Dick yeah. or with his father. Oh, Mr. Think, Pig, yeah. I think on his own, he... I understand a lot of people don't like Damien. I understand that. He, if not handled correctly, he does get very annoying. Yeah. and Which is why I think he works best when he's paired with Dick or his father. Because mm-hmm. um, I think his father... Bruce brings out something in Damien that other characters aren't able to. I think because, again, he's his father. Yeah. Um, He's able to bring out a care in Damien that other people aren't able to. Um, yeah. I also like Damien and Jason. They they have a fun rapport, I think. They're an interesting parallel. Yeah. They've been they're all, the ang- almost victims of they're Batman's the angry, war. They're the angriest of the Robins. Yes. And so I think there's something that there's something there that they can relate with each other. Yeah, they bring back Jason Todd in this book as yeah. uh, an antagonist, and he give give him like a more supervillainish costume. Well, they well they give him a superhero suit, which I like the design of it. Mm-hmm. Like he's got like the it's like black pants with a white torso and a red skull. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and the original got, hood. Yeah, uh, the original red hood, kind of domish. Yeah, I like that. Um, I like that, and he's got his own Robin character called Scarlet, who's like a victim <laughs> of um, of the Joker. Uh, no, of. Um, uh, Professor Pig. Oh, okay, okay. She's got one of his Dollatron masks on, um, <laughs> so, which I like, but the problem is that it feels very much like a retread of Battle for the Cowl where Jason yeah. tries to become Batman. Um, and I was thinking, because there... I like the stuff that Grant Morrison does with Batman. I feel like some of it fails in execution. But yeah. that entire period of, like, from 2000 to 2011, where a lot of it was defined by Grant Morrison's writing that period is ripe for adaptation. And I was thinking like, there's a way that you could blend battle for the cow with this first volume of Batman Robin that would make a really good movie. Yeah. They, they honestly should do that for the, for the DC. Yeah. EU, I mean, you know? I, I was thinking, thinking about like what, how the DC, how DC you should go forward. I was thinking like, you can have three really good Batman movies that basically are just Batman's fall mm-hmm. where you have like, maybe you have like a combination of under the red hood and hush. Yeah. You have that for a movie. Maybe you do court of owls and then maybe you end with a combination of rest in peace and, um, um, the black glove. Oh yeah. Or, yeah. And maybe, and maybe also hopefully elevate those stories. Yeah. Elevate yeah. those stories. And then maybe to end with something like death of the family mixed with Batman Endgame, where <laughs> Bat- Batman dies or dies. Yeah. Quote, unquote, you know, I mean, going up against the Joker. A very Batman death, you know? Yeah. And then, cause then you can end it where, yeah, Batman maybe loses his memory. Maybe he gets it back at some point, but he just retires and sure, he gets yeah. to live the life that he maybe should have had with, someone like Julie Madison or maybe even Selena. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, Dick takes over as Batman. You know, what's funny about that is you mentioned Batman RIP and uh, the black Go- glove, mm-hmm. which is a predecessor to this book. Yeah. Because that happened where they wanted to, 
you know, I mean, it, it's a bit of a mess of a story, um, Batman R.I.P. Yeah. But like the idea of Grant Morrison was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill everything that Batman is and represents and all that, and then it just ends with Dick taking the cowl and everything. But that's what this is. This yeah. is the follow up of that. Yeah. And so, it's a much, I would say, better story. Yeah, I think that. I think he writes I think he writes Dick and Damien much better than he writes Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. I have yet to read Batman Incorporated, but I'd be interested to see what he does with that. It, that's the one where it's um Bruce Wayne comes out and says I'm not Batman, but I fund Batman. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm totally not Batman, guys. Yeah, I just fund He has like a Tony Stark budget. press conference. Yeah. yeah. I'm not Batman, but I know him. Yeah. And he's awesome. Yes. <laughs> That's literally what they say in the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and they, and they have... Um, he basically funds different... Um, he franchises Batman, essentially. Yes. Franchise, franchise, <laughs> franchise. <laughs> yeah, that's... A, the founder, you thought that was historical? No, that's Grant Morrison, yeah. baby. Which is... It's appropriate that I use that because Michael Keaton's Batman. Michael Keaton. Um, but yeah, so he has... So there's like... Um, the big characters that come out of that are... There's Batwing, who's the Batman of Africa. Just Africa. Not the Congo, where he operates, <laughs> but just the Batman of Africa. <laughs> He patrols all of Africa yeah. as Batman. Yeah. Um, so there's yeah, there's there's a Batman in Russia, but like, he dies in his first appearance. Oh, yeah. There's no a, shit. The KGB. I mean, they revived the KGB for his ass. Yeah. There's um, there's the Batman of Japan. Um, <laughs> there's Wingman, who is the Batman of Sweden. Um, there's Vigilante, who I think is the Batman of Mexico, or I may be mixing I that think, up. I think it might be Mexico or Italy. I think because it's Mexico. Isn't, isn't there one of from Italy at Batman? Maybe Italy? I'm thinking of the guy. Uh, maybe or it may Spain? not be his. It may not be his name, but he's dressed in like a kind of mariachi. Oh, well then, suit. Yeah, I think that is the one from. Mexico. I think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm interested to read that. Um, yeah. Um, because and Batman Incorporated is still around too. They recently had. I think that's where the character Ghostmaker comes from. I think he yeah. shows up in that. So yeah, um, I would recommend this. It's not again. Not the best Batman story, but it's got, again, it's got interesting ideas. Fun one. Yeah. I, I saw the little panels, the exchange of panels where Miss, uh, Professor Pig was giving Damien a lap dance. It was great. Yeah, Pig is. I know people really like Pig. I, I came out of it thinking like, why do people like this character? <laughs> he's just kind of. It's creepy. Uh, yeah, creepy he's creepy, but not in like a fun way. No. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a way that you could make Pig more of like a Hannibal Lecter type character, and I feel like I would have enjoyed that more. Probably. But in this, he just comes off as weird and silly. Yeah. So. Well, it's it very much is that uh, surrealist. Uh, I mean, it's Grant Batman. Morrison. It's Grant, Grant Morrison. Morrison, but he's also kind of referencing a lot of the surreal aspects of the like, Silver yeah, Age. Yeah, I, I know Grant you Morrison know? loves the Silver Age. Yeah. And he's a crazy Scotsman. He yeah. probably takes too much acid. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's what it's what to you know what to expect from Grandma. Oh, so. Dr. Cartman do, and I saw a vision of Batman and a thong. He's <laughs> like, yeah. See the way you were doing that, it was almost going to like um, Jenny, Jenny Boy. <laughs> it was almost like Vigo the Carpathian from um, Mouth of Madness. Oh, Johnny. Johnny boy! You know, Grant Morrison should actually write for... Uh, and it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure the show is done, but um, I'm surprised he wasn't involved in the Venture Brothers. Yeah. You know, that would have been interesting. I would have be, It would be interesting to see what he wrote for... If he had written for The Flash. Well, I think he did. Did he? But he co-wrote with Ezra Miller. 
No, no, I'm thinking of the Flash TV show. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you meant the the movie because he did work on the movie. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. With Ezra Miller. Okay. So, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on with that. But, It'll um, be an acid trip. Probably. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, despite all the, the bullshit. It, al- uh, it allegedly tested higher than The Dark Knight. Allegedly. Alleged- alleged- that's Who not- are they showing this movie to? Yeah, that sounds like... <laughs> that sounds like mm, I don't know if I believe that. I will have to see. We'll yeah, have to see. I, I, hope, I hope I'm proven wrong, but... It's, some- it's going to be awkward either way, yeah. watching that film. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be a bit weird. But Mark Millar, uh, the one who wrote uh, Huck, yeah. uh, I wanted to recommend to you a couple books I read of his. Yeah. Uh, one of which is a Marvel book, okay. uh, literally called Marvel 1985. It sounds familiar. It's real. It's like almost a Vertigo kind of take on Marvel. Okay. Where it's about this kid who his parents are having uh, problems because they're divorced and everything. His dad is like a complete comic book guy who got him into comic books. Okay. Uh, his dad grew up in the age of the of the birth of Marvel as we know it. Right. You know, the 60s yeah, and everything. Yeah, 60s. And kind of, that's what they bond on, you know? But the kid is dealing with the separation of his parents, you know? Like, uh, I don't know how to deal with it. I'm going to plunge myself into comics. And yeah. then slowly he starts seeing the villains from these comics in the real world, just infiltrating his suburban life. I'm not going to explain how. It's like the Man in the Moon episode from Rick and Morty. It's pretty, you know what? I'm not going to say, but it's very, it's very uh, Twilight Zoney. Okay. Very interesting, and I really dug it. And it's one of the Mark Millar books I think you'd enjoy. It's Marvel 1985, yeah? Marvel 1985, yeah. Okay. And he also did uh, Old Man Logan. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever read that? No, it's one of the... I've never... I've only read, like, one X-Men comic, truthfully. Okay. I picked it up when I was, like, seven at, like, a library fair. Mm-hmm. And it was, like... I, it was, like, one of a couple Marvel comics that they had. Yeah. And it was... Um, it had Logan and then Kitty Pride in it. I don't know who wrote it. Um, but it was, I think it was, like, a twofer, because it had uh, a Logan story, and then it had a... Um, An X-Men one. Yeah, an X-Men one where it was like the original lineup and it was... Um, was it the first class? X-Men first class? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it was the first uh, the first group of X-Men where it was like Beast before he yeah all Beastie yeah. and Iceman. They and were in the yellow, like the complete yellow. Yeah, the blue. yellow and black. Yeah. Um, and then Thor showed up, I remember. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And they were fighting a Frost Giant. Um, oh, okay. That might be first class. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Um yeah, that was like the only actual X Men comic I've read. Oh, yeah, okay. I grew, I grew I grew up with the I grew up liking the X Men because of the TV show. That actually. and that's fair. That yeah. that's how it is for a lot of people. You yeah, know, especially in the our generation and everything. Yeah. They X Men movies and shows. You yeah, know? and that's that's fair. You yeah. know, um, but Old Man Logan is one of those books because we were talking a little bit about how uh, the story can kind of fall flat yeah. with Mark Millar sometimes. I don't think it does because I think the idea of Old Man Logan is really strong that it carries you throughout yeah. a lot of the crazy ideas of like seeing um uh, just the aftermath of when supervillains take over you yeah. know um you you see like the hulk has his territory uh kingpin has his territory doctor doom has his territory and they it's like a road trip book yeah. where it goes through the american uh, post apocalyptic dystopian america with yeah. a blind hawkeye you know and, and i would recommend that cuz it's it's got that grit to it a lot of gore violence it's rated i, I, I appreciate you know? gore and violence yeah <laughs> that's part of the reason why i recommended nemesis yeah exactly so so i would recommend that also for you uh, but that's what you were reading this week? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a good... I mean, because I know you more as a Batman fan, so I was yeah. surprised to see some of the other books in there. Yeah. It was really good. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, again, like I, because I've been doing research for... Your own comic, if, right? Yeah, well, I don't know if I want it to be a oh, comic. Careful uh, I don't know if I want it to be a comic or just like a novel. Okay. Because I would need to find an artist. Right. Um, but I want it to be, yeah, like I, like I mentioned um, in the first episode, a reconstruction of um, superhero comics kind of synthesizing the influences of um, the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and then the Modern Age, and hopefully try and transcend the, um, just the kind of rut of the Modern Age. Um, and so because of that, because I, I have like a Justice League-type team in mind, I wanted to read Justice League titles. So, And granted, this JLI is maybe not the most appropriate <laughs> because it is the funny one, Yeah, but uh, it was still helpful. So yeah. Well, that's dope, dude. Well, some of I haven't been reading as much as I usually read, just because I've been a little bit busier yeah. lately. But uh, what I did read, what I've begun reading, um, the first thing I read, which is you probably like this book a lot because it is Batman. It's Dark Victory, actually. Yes. Jeff how, are, how are you the, liking it? Uh, I'm on the second issue. They're actually very short. Yeah. Uh, it's a big book, but it, they're very short issues. Um, I'm digging it so far. It's dealing with the aftermath of the long Halloween. Uh, Batman is going through a, kind of a guilt phase of what happened with, with Harvey Dent. Yeah. His transformation to Two-Face. Uh, you really get into the crime element and the crime community yeah. of Gotham City with the different uh, the the Falcone family, right? They, yeah, so the yeah. the so um why am I forgetting his name? Um Carmine is murdered I th- I think at the end of Long Halloween. Yeah, at the end he? of Long yeah. Halloween by Two-Face. Um and so his daughter Sophia Falcone takes over. Yes. Um and obviously um uh Salvatore Moroni is dead as well. Um and so a lot of what Dark Victory is about is the transition of organized crime in Gotham from being in the hands of the Italian mob to now being in the hands of supervillains like Two-Face. Yeah, I'm very curious how Robin is going to be injected in this story um, because that's what sells me on it. I'm very, yeah. I, I always love Robin. I love the inclusion of Robin. I love that story. It's Batman and Robin for a reason. Yes. Okay, they are the dynamic duo. And yes, I do want to see him incorporated in these uh, new films. I do too. Well, and again, I, I mentioned in the first one, I really hope that the next uh, movie that Matt Reeves does uh, incorporates elements of Dark Victory. Yes. it seems logical because, again, the first film has a lot of elements of Long Halloween. Yes. Um, I'll be honest, like, I think I like Dark Victory more than Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, part of that is because it it benefits from the buildup of the Long Halloween. It builds on it in a really good way. And it, I, I cried several times reading it. Um mm-hmm. The relationship between um, Dent and Batman is really, really well done. Really strong. Really yeah. strong. Uh, the, the artwork by Tim Sale. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me a lot of, uh, like, a very noir, like, uh, what was his name? Uh, God, the, Darwin Cook. You know? Darwin Cook's art. Yes, the guy who did I... uh, Final Frontier, Justice League Final Frontier. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very, I mean, that's very referential. That style is very referential to the old school. Yeah. Um, old school uh, uh, golden age of, yeah. of artwork for DC. This reminds me of that art style, but also of like kind of like pulpy comic books, you know, yeah. crime oriented books and everything. So I, I really like the art style because of that. Sin City as well. 
Since it is yeah, well, in terms of like how um, a lot of the, especially the male characters, feel very bulky. Yeah, and there's like a kind of exaggeration of the way that he draws their torsos. Yeah, yeah I can see that. And also the use of light. Yeah, yeah the yeah. lighting in this is really really well done. Yeah, the uh, the shade. I don't know if Tim. I don't know if Tim Sale also did the inks for this, but the the colors are really really great. Yeah, really rich and really. Really interesting to look at, to say the least, really interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been starting Doc's Victory and I'm digging it so far. I'm hoping we get to Robin soon. I think he comes in about halfway through, but he doesn't really become Robin until the last... Oh, uh, last couple issues? Yeah, the last couple issues. It, it's really well done. I will say this. Like, okay. In terms of like modern interpretations of um, Robin's origins, it's... Thus far, it's the one that I've liked the most. Okay, I'm I'm excited now. I'm excited to see how this how this shit comes together because I I love Robin and yeah. I really want to see Robin come to life in a way that we hadn't before. You yeah. know, before we had a uh, Chris O'Donnell, <laughs> this grown ass yeah. man. Yeah. Um, I I'm a fan of what they did with Robin in The Dark Knight Rises. I thought that was a really interesting. Yeah, version. well, they, it's because he's not Robin. Is why I like it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it is in name only, but he does he does have that kind of role, you know, the partner yeah. almost, and and kind of he's being mentored by Batman in, yeah. in some ways. So I, I dig that part, and I like how they leave it up to you whether or not he becomes who he's supposed to become yeah. later on. Um, but another book I've been reading and I've brought up on several podcasts is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The Last Ronin. I have to say, you... Because you've talked about this, I think, on every podcast <laughs> since then. Yeah. It's been making me think, like, I should read TMNT. Just in general? Yeah. Not not just, like, Last Ronin, but, like, yeah. I was like, eh, I should maybe, I should maybe read, read some stuff. Because, you know, obviously, TMNT is very... It's very much inspired by Daredevil, and I like yeah. Daredevil, so I was like, oh, I should maybe read this. Yeah. The, the, have you ever... You've never read any of it? No. So, I saw... Um, I don't know which one it was, but I saw a, I saw the computer animated film, I think in theaters. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think I've seen, I saw part of Secret of the Ooze. Um, <laughs> all I remember is the silly scene at the very end where Shredder becomes the super Shredder. <laughs> um, and then um, I think I've seen some... I'm probably you've seen episodes of some TMNT uh, TV show mm-hmm. when I was growing up. But okay. I mean, that's it. That's the that's the the limit of my exposure to the turtles. Okay. So The Last Ronin is a very dark version, almost kind of Days of Future Past a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in terms of concept, but it is very much an R-rated book that gets actually it's probably more of like a TVMA. Honestly, it's not full on R. It's not like the boys or something, but um, it does deal with darker themes. It puts these characters in much darker positions than we're used to seeing them. Uh, And I'm really enjoying it. I'm on the third issue, moving to the fourth issue. And the issues beforehand have been very much set up, you know, set up of where the last Ronin is, who it is, what happened to the world. This is very, uh, it's very much like that, but you see a lot more of the plot starting to formulate and their mission, what they have to do, the resistance versus the oppressing uh, foot clan. And I'm really digging it. I mean, this is fit for a film or a series of something, you know, because the last Ronin, I feel like is, it's, it's, one of those books that you mentioned of being very uh, kind of heartbreaking, you know, yeah. especially since we know who the turtles are and their identities and, and it's just kind of, it, it hits you to see what happens to 
this world and these characters. And it's just the one turtle that survived, yeah? It's just the one turtle that survived, but he does talk to his brothers, you know, yeah. just in his head and everything, and that is uh, a fun part of the book, but also a very uh, somber part of the book. Yeah. You know, really, re- really good stuff. And the art style's great as well. Art style's great. They have these flashback sequences where they actually change the art up yeah. and they make it look like the original art from the original graphic novel. See, I like that yeah. stuff. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, they make it black and white and much more, uh, not ugly, but more, um, it, it's like if you were drawing faster. Sure. You know, a little sloppier. A little sloppier, a little messier, and uh, I, I, I think Frank that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I okay. know, I know. I said on the first uh, episode that we did uh, that Frank Miller should never do his own artwork. I take that back. There is one instance where his artwork works, and that is Sin City. Yeah, that's true. I want to talk a little bit about Frank Miller now. Yes. So your thesis, I'd like to hear again about Frank Miller. Uh, um, what 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 what's uh, well, the, going on I, with Frank Miller? So I, my the th- writer of, of Batman books, all sorts of Sin yeah, City, my, Dark Knight Returns. My thesis is that um, Frank Miller, Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, and Grant Morrison um, are really, I think, the four of the uh, four big writers to come out of the modern age, or the the Bronze Age, really. Um, Although, granted, Diamond, I think, is a little bit later. I think he's more like early modern age. Um, but they are, I think, the four biggest, probably the four biggest comic book uh, writers to have really defined what modern comic books, certainly superhero comic books, are. Um, and I think that, um, I think that, uh, like, obviously, like, the writing of Frank, like, Frank Miller's writing has declining quality as yeah. time goes on. I think he still has interesting ideas, but I think they fail in execution. Mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't read, I'm interested to read um, uh, Dark Knight the Master Race when it came out. Because um, that came out in like 2016, 2017. The, yeah, it was a very recent sequel. Yeah, to and it, and it has, Bri- it's co written by Brian Azzarello, who mm-hmm. I really like. Um, so I, probably to balance it out a little bit. Maybe, probably. <laughs> probably to like calm down. You know, yeah, what, know. what's missing with George Lucas, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, but yeah, I, I, because I grew up reading a lot of Frank Miller Batman stuff because that was, he's, he's arguably the writer who has had the most, or the most, in terms of recent writers, he's probably the one who's had the most influence on yeah. the character um, with The Dark Knight Returns in year one. Um, and I think that, I will specific. I specifically defend the Dark Knight Strikes Again and All Star Batman and Robin, okay. Um, because again, not because I think they're good books, they're objectively bad, but I think they have interesting ideas. Sure, um, sure, and that, that I think that could be said for almost everything Frank Miller's written. Yes, I know? think especially recently. Yeah, um, yeah. Like my my defense because when we I sort of talked about this with All Star Batman and Robin, <laughs> my defense is that the big criticism of that book is that it horribly misportrays what Bruce's relationship with Robin should be or with Dick should be. I accept that. <laughs> but because this is, it's almost a kind of an else. It's not meant to be canon. It's a kind of an else world. Yeah. Story. It's set in the same universe as the dark Knight and year one. Mm-hmm. And granted year one is until zero year came out. Year one was taken as canon. Um, because, because it is technically an Elseworld story. I accept the way it portrays the relationship between Dick and Bruce. And also, like, if Batman were to exist in a real in the real world, I have a much easier time believing that 
their relationship would be abusive in the way that it's portrayed in All Star Batman and Robin. Okay. Than it is in the real life. I. Right. It's much like number one. For a long time, it was established that Dick started that Dick joined Batman as Robin when he was eight years old. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly reckless. Yeah. It's incredibly irresponsible, and it is child abuse. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> given, given Bruce's own trauma and what I think would inform the decision to bring a child into a war zone. I am fine with the way that it portrays the relationship. It probably, if you act like if you were to actually take a look at, um, how, like realistically how the relationship as portrayed in the golden age during the early appearances, how it would work. It would probably work the way it would, would in all star. Um, where, like I said, it would be horribly, it would be horribly abusive. Um, even if, um, at the very least, there would be some kind of emotional or, or physical neglect going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, if, like, realistically, like, if people, like, if Batman exists in the real world and he had a child sidekick running around, people would look at him like, eh, that's, that's a little, su- that's suspect. Yeah. Like, at the very least, again, it's reckless, it's child endangerment, it's abuse. At the very worst, Batman is a, is a horrible sex <laughs> You know, what's weird about that is is that we do have, maybe not the same extent, but we do have real-world examples of people like Batman. True. Not on the same level of Batman, because Batman's a, you know, ba- Batman's Batman. Yeah. Um, but, for example, and it's interesting, it's an interesting parallel to what you're saying, Phoenix Jones. The, yes. The real-life well, superhero. Who ended up being a terrible human being. <laughs> who's now in, I don't know if he's still in jail, but he was... Jailed. Last time I heard about Phoenix Jones in the yeah, news, he was jailed he for was jailed like, dealing drugs, dealing right? drugs, and yeah. being caught for dealing drugs. And didn't everything, didn't but. he like take the drugs from a drug dealer, <laughs> right, and then resold them or something? I don't actually remember, but I do remember that for so long he was out there patrolling his area in Seattle. Yeah, in a costume, he got all sorts of other people together uh, to patrol the area, and he got in these mistake mistaken um bouts with people where he he like pepper sprayed people who were just hanging out he thought they were fighting but they Uh, were dancing that was what i heard about even before the drug charges yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and then he was forced to unmask himself and everything and i heard from that point on he just kind of lost his mind a little bit and started becoming kind of like what all-star batman (laughs) is you know like he became flashpoint batman (laughs) yeah he's like he started like dismissing People who dressed up in costume. Yeah, and he's like, I'm, I'm the real thing. The I'm hardcore. Yeah, I am a superhero. I am the one. I'm the serious superhero. You guys are in costumes. You I'm are smarter. Not. I'm, I'm smart. better. He's literally homeland. I am better. I am better. <laughs> yeah, literally, he he became that. So, I mean, that's that that I think is proof to what you're saying of like, if Batman were to exist, yeah, you know. But then again. I feel like the reality of what a Batman would be, I think, would actually be closer to um, Mystery Men. Did you ever see that film? Uh, no, but the, I've been meaning the, to see it. I the just, Ben Stiller Because Nostalgic, Nostalgia Critic, I think, I can't find it anymore. I think he may have been took down. But he, I remember him doing like an hour-long review of Mystery Men. I can now only find one that's like 30 minutes. But I remember there being, it may not have been Nostalgia Critic, it may have been someone else, who did an in-depth review of it. And it's like, oh, this looks fun. Yeah. Um, and I really want to see it now that I'm getting back into superhero stuff. So yeah, but see what you're saying. Mis- yeah, Mystery Men. Mystery Men is a funny. It's like a, a a comedy about this lame superhero team. Yeah. Ben Stiller, 
Hank Azaria, uh, was it who else? Uh, William H Macy, and like they're the yeah. lame superheroes yeah. compared like, to you know the Superman type. Yeah, they're like D-listers, and then the E-lister yeah. has like he's like a NASCAR. He's like Homelander. Yeah, he's well, like Homelander. Homelander he's got sponsors. Home, he's an asshole. Homelander, if he wore a suit that looked like a race, like a NASCAR. Yeah, race literally. Car. Yeah, it looks like that, and he. He's just a complete narcissist and everything. Yeah. But these guys are good-hearted guys who feel that kind of Napoleonic complex, and, but end up doing the right thing. I like to think that the superheroes, majoritively speaking, especially looking at the people who would hang out with Phoenix Jones. Sure. Um, I, there's this channel called Comic Tropes. Have you heard of it? It sounds familiar. On YouTube? It's this guy who wears like a bowling shirt and he just talks about comics that he reads and everything he talks about artists anchors books and everything but he was one of these guys who would go out with phoenix jones and start you know yeah you know whatever you know they do do patrols they'd give food to the homeless and everything i i would like to think it would be more like that um like mystery men you know like these these just schlubs who like comic books and just go out and you know that's the thing is there there yeah there are two valid um (laughs) <laughs> there, there are two valid ideas about what superheroes would be like in the real world. Yeah. One is, yeah, they're, and I, I blame Alan Moore because, again, like I've talked about, like, it feels like superheroes in general are just becoming assholes now. Yeah. To the point where, like, pop culture is obsessed with the idea of the evil superhero. The like, evil Superman specifically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I blame a lot of this on Alan Moore because, mm-hmm. and I think this has to do with, I think this has to do with the way that he views the world. Probably, um, yeah. Which is probably more maybe him projecting than with the way the world actually works. Where I, I don't mean to know, but I think it's how he used to view the world. Because I, mean, I, I think he's hope. evolved from... I've listened to some interviews recently of him, and he seems to have let a lot of that cynicism go. Yeah, I mean... I think... I, I would hope so. Yeah, it's not, it's, I would hope. Yeah, because well. like, it's not it's not healthy to carry around uh, the kind of like anger or cynicism that would inform that kind of worldview. But yeah, yeah like, I think, yeah, starting with Watchmen, they're... There's this notion that like okay superheroes they have they have to be like it's fine like okay like sure obviously <laughs> there has to be some kind of psychological trauma of course right that motivates superheroes I mean that's, that's that's what happened with Phoenix Jones well that's yeah. I mean that's integral that's just an integral part of the the genre it always has been sure yeah. that's fine but I think starting with Alan Moore there has been this notion of oh superheroes have to be evil perverts dark yeah have to be yeah. evil nasty perverts. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and they have to have some horrible dark thing that actually motivates them and they're not good people Um, none of them are good people Garth Ennis is like that's it yeah you know yeah exactly Um, the boys I think the boys is probably the the comic book is the worst example of this Um, yeah where all all the superheroes but the exception of I think Teen Team Mm -hmm. um, where they again like they're these they're more schlubby like kind of loser wannabes but um, nice, nice yeah, good they, people again, they are yeah. gen- they are genuinely kind-hearted people versus people like the seven who yeah are just assholes with yeah. the exception of starlight um yeah and i think that again yeah it's valid i think both of those realistically because it's the thing too is like if superheroes were to really exist you would probably have to have some kind of horrible collapse in police authority and legitimacy yeah I mean, look at Batman. Batman is a response to that system. Yeah, exactly. Well, and Fa- failing. Same, same thing with the Punisher as well. And the Punisher, that's right, um, yeah. And so, yeah, like, so yeah, I think realistically there probably would be two kinds of people who were drawn to that. Mm-hmm. People who would have been drawn to the police anyways, um, had it not lost, you know, the legit, in this hypothetical situation, had it not lost its legitimacy and its authority. Um, and then, 
yeah, people like Homelander, who probably would have also been drawn to um, law enforcement, but would have horribly abused their position. Yes. Um, again, like the the weirdos and the perverts and yeah. the genuine assholes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like it's yeah. I think both. I think both of those archetypes for superheroes are legitimate. Yes. And both and both interpretations of Batman and his relationship with Robin are legitimate. So. Yeah, that's true. Because Batman, All Star Batman and Robin is very. It's an extreme. Yeah. L- like Phoenix Jones. It is an extreme, and I don't think it speaks for the whole culture. What's funny about, and I was really excited to tell you this, um, later that day when we recorded, uh, the day we recorded uh, We Tolerate Comics issue one, uh, I went to the bookstore that you got some of those books from right over here, and I was looking through their issue boxes, and I saw and picked up the first issue of all-star batman and robin oh oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i saw that in so yeah i think this is the same one yep yeah is it does it just have the yep. boxes of books strewn oh, just on the floor yep. just on the floor yep yeah, yeah. I, I saw it there that I, day and i was like what the fuck I that's weird to that store i still haven't heard anything back i hope I yeah hope i get a job there because it'd be really fun but yeah i saw those in there too and was like oh <laughs> i kind of want to pick these up because these are like pieces of history yep but they're probably horribly expensive well what's funny about that i thought I, it was going to be um I they because what they do at this bookstore I'm not gonna name it until I'm not gonna name it until you start working there. Um, <laughs> oh, so, so I can get harassed. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Uh, like, Why you defend Frank Miller? Man? Frank Miller's <laughs> a terrible writer. I heard WTC five, bitch. Don't you, don't you know he's a horrible person? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I went there. And I saw it and I was like, dude, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. I need to pick this up now yeah. because I talked to Exley about it. And what happened was I picked it up. I said, hey, could I get this? And they do this thing at the at the cashier station where they'll look up the book, the price of the book on yeah. like eBay or something. Like, oh, this is number one. Let's see what we got here. Well, I, I was, <laughs> when I was when I saw the book, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can I wonder if I can bargain them like I can yeah. negotiate to get the price lower because like. Again, universally regarded as a terrible book. I wonder if I can load up all that. <laughs> I thought that's what I was going to have to do. But they looked it up and they said, they, they said, oh, this version's like 200 bucks. But then they looked at another version and it was like, oh, well, that's $2.99. Yeah. So they just went with the, I- I'm surprised. Ah, I'm I surprised. Wish I, picked, I wish I yeah. picked up all the issues they had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I got it. I got number one. Congratulations. I, yep, I got it number one, and I was excited. That's an investment. That. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But uh, it was just one of those days where it was like fate seemed to be on my side. I was like, I talked to him about it. It's here. I think they have Let's All-Star Superman number one, too. They do. Yeah, yeah. they do. But I, I think I already have a copy of that. So okay. I think I'm good on that. But um, yeah, uh, Superheroes by Frank Miller. It's very much... Uh, Frank Miller is one of those guys who who looked at Alan Moore. I was like, I'm going to do that but my extremities mixed with drugs no. and probably some trauma. Drugs and, and boobies. And, and breasts. Yes. And I'm going to refer to every woman. Breasts. Yeah, refer to every woman as a whore. Yes. As a as Frank Miller. Your mother is a dirty, dirty a whore. whore. Exactly. Frank Miller, uh, Frank Miller and Frank Reynolds I would love know f- each other yeah. for sure. Uh, and that is the stuff that kind of puts me off from reading the rest of Frank Miller's. That's fair. You know, uh, work. One thing uh, Charlie and I like to do is we like to go out and uh, I like banging whores. <laughs> I like to bang the cheap whores. Yeah, exactly. That's Frank Miller uh, when he writes uh, Dark Knight 4. Yeah. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to... I think that is a thing. Is it? It's coming out? I think so. Dark Knight 4? I think 4? it already may have come out. 
Really? Because I know yeah. three came out. That was a big thing. Yeah, I like... think I think there's a sequel to the Master Race. Really? Yes. Oh Jesus, man. He just got. He has to put it down. Even you know what's funny? We say all this stuff about Frank Miller being a cynic and everything, being fucking crazy. I saw a panel with him where he was talking. He was debating with Tom King actually. Okay. And Tom King's a writer who who also wrote Batman for yes. a short time. They were arguing about Superman. And Tom King th- said something that I really don't like people saying. And he, he said it up on stage with all... It was basically the Tom King, Frank Miller show. But there were other artists there. But mm. they're the big names, you know? There was a panel, but there was, yeah. they were the center. Of they the were the show. center of it. And they were taking the most time and everything. And Tom King said that Superman was a boring character. I fucking hate... And so I, I, I hate that, that as... Yeah, yeah. I hate that too. Before you go off... Yeah, I'm gonna. Go, go ahead, go I'm ahead. gonna just let you know that surprisingly enough, Frank Miller took issue with that. No, see, I, and I'm, said, not, I'm not. No, he's not. I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah. Well, I was surprised because of what he did with him in Dark Knight Returns. Um, and he, the, and his basis for him being boring or not being boring, Frank Miller's was like he's hopeful. He's got a family. He's got a job. He's got everything we have. You know, he, he is a. He is a He's a person. Half of him is a normal person. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I, and I like to think he brings that uh, that half to his other half. You know what I mean? Sure. Like he brings that human side to his superhero side. Yeah. Which makes him not boring. Yes. But please go off. Yeah. No. I mean the yeah. I've so I I'm someone who used to think that Superman was really boring. Yeah. I hated the idea of Superman. Um, I think in part, I think in large part because Superman is such an overpowered character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like uh, like it feels. I think we. I think I mistook the. This is the thing is like with the. I mean, this is what a part of what makes One Punch Man so great. <laughs> yeah. Is the He's looking for the challenge, right? Well, the, the interesting the thing that's fun about One Punch Man, the thing that makes Saitama an interesting character, is not his. Is not the physical challenges he has to overcome. It's the mental challenges. Yeah. Um. And Superman is kind of. I mean, obviously, Saitama is loosely inspired by superman of course right yeah it's the it's the question of you know for the man who has everything like what do you do with that character Mm -hmm. um and i think that is it's a really it's really generative place for writers um that writers can do interesting stuff with but i think i think because um because american society in particular I, i think western just western countries in general i think have entered this malaise um since particularly since the end of the cold war but I think really since the end of the Second World War, um, where we just don't believe in ourselves anymore, we don't believe in our myths, um, and we're really becoming increasingly cynical, and we don't, um, we're just not able to believe in truth, goodness, and beauty. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I think Superman represents: is truth, goodness, and beauty. Yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, I'm not surprised that Frank Miller, um, I'm not surprised that Frank Miller stood up for Superman. Um, I think because he is a kind of um, one, he grew up in the Silver Age. I think he, I think so. He, I think he has a great appreciation for that. Um, he's also clearly a very patriotic guy. And oh yeah, I mean, and to, Superman. To, I, I fucking hate that in recent years they've tried, they've made this attempt to deracinate Superman. I fucking hate that mm-hmm. because Superman fundamentally is an American superhero. Right. He is like, if you take away his Americanness, he's not really Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes from a very specific time in a very specific place. Right. And if you remove him, like. If you try to make him this universal man, there's nothing interesting about him. Mm-hmm. The universal man is not interesting, and the universal man does not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've met Frenchmen, I've met Italians, I've <laughs> met Englishmen, but I've never met man. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, see, that's actually 
Can I make a suggestion to you? Yes. Your your superhero idea? Yeah. Would work as a novel. Yes. Even though it would be great comic book. I, I, it would work I, as a I, novel I like and that would be book. that would be a great quote for the book. Ba- based the for quote and the yes. on the front cover. Yes. <laughs> yes, that would be a great quote. But um yeah, when it comes to Superman, I've uh, he's I think he's my favorite superhero, you know? He's my favorite because of the complexities of even though he is very simple complexity comes from that simpleness you know that it's not that he's dumb or anything like that it's because he realizes the amount of power he has how hard is it for someone that powerful to hold back yeah well you you see that in um superman versus the elite yeah yeah which i really i really underrated i really hope that that gets an adaptation Mm -hmm. so that i can stop hearing people (laughs) say that superman is a boring boy scout character yeah because that that story is the perfect antithesis it's the Mm -hmm. perfect reply to that it is uh, it's that everything you said is part of why Man of Steel didn't hit it for me because yeah. they tried to apply that cynicism. They tried to, to make him, him you know? into um, Manchester Black. Yeah, I mean, they. I don't know what they were doing. It didn't feel like in points at some areas it felt like Superman, but yes. it wasn't the narrative. You know what I mean? That wasn't the goal for that film. That goal was to rip up. This was by a guy. Written by a guy, David Goyer, who I respect in some areas and other areas. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Where he said, he said, who here has heard of Martian Manhunter? Okay, who here's had sex? I'm like, why are you writing (laughs) Superman, dude? I mean, that's funny, but that's some red letter media shit. It's it's a valid point. (laughs) It's a valid point. Well, yeah, maybe. Get a life. Get a life. Get, get laid. I'm Rich Evans. I've had sex. I'm Rich Evans. I've if gotten laid. laid. If I can get laid, so can you. <laughs> to quote Mike Staclasa, um, I don't really take these comic book things all that seriously. And if you do, get a life. Get a life. Cue Mike's annoying uh, nerd I, crew laugh. I will edit it in. I will. Oh man! Well, I mean, I think that's. I thought the, he was the black guy. <laughs> I, that's the perfect way to end this because we've been going on for near two hours, and yep. it's fucking hot. My throat is dry. Yeah, no, I'm done. I'm losing my voice. I'm hungry, dude. It's t- actually I had a great time talking to you. I did too. As, as about comic book shit, um, maybe next time we talk, yes, um, it will be cooler. I, I'm hopefully. hoping. I'm hoping my AC will be fixed. So. Hopefully, man. Jesus Christ! I mean, it, wherever we are. Yeah, wherever we are. Your place, my place, the fucking fortress of solitude. I don't care. I, I'm hoping it will just be cooler in general. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm gonna try to find some books now to yeah. to match your I, bookography. I will try to find others as well um, after yeah. I return these. <laughs> Were you gonna start running now in this in this heat because they're that overdue? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I may actually, I may actually just drop these off, and then I may try to pick up some food on my way to work. So that sounds good. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to keep you from work too long because yeah. we're, we're we're almost at that point. But actually, is there anywhere that the people can find you if you want to be found? Uh, no, I'm still working on my way. Okay, so. no problem. Well, yeah. well, next time. Yes. Next. I'm time. hoping. <laughs> Here's hoping. Hey, actually, thanks so much again for joining me on Thank this you. We Tolerate Comics number five. And uh, here's to number six. Yes. All right. Have a good one. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Good- <laughs> Get the fuck out.